Okay, we are welcoming back our first ever recurring guest on the podcast, Fitz. Fitzy, how you doing, man? Not bad, guys. How's everything going with you? Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, of course. Uh, I can't complain. Yeah, it's good. Sorry, I don't have any t-shirts to send you saying that you're a <laughs> guest, but, uh, you know, just another, maybe another time on the podcast would be good enough. Well, another I- another invite works for me. I don't yeah. need any t-shirts. <laughs> well, if we make any t-shirts, we'll make sure that he delivers yeah. it by foot. <laughs> I appreciate yeah. that. All right. So, honestly, if you follow... If you followed Fitz this week alone, you've seen so many trade scenarios. But on Tuesday, we got hit with some trade news that, honestly, if you're a Ranger fan, you might have creamed your pants. Panarin has a has apparently said that he's not ready to sign an extension, which made every single Ranger fan think what it would take to get Panarin. Fitz, what do you think it would take to get this guy? Uh I don't know. It's it, it's kind of tough because there's like there's always the thing with him. He's obviously one year away from being a unrestricted free agent. Um, he's clearly one of the best players in the league. Like he's he's just a personal favorite of mine. Like I think he's like a top ten winger easily, probably like a top twenty player. You could you know debate if to fifteen, ten if you want, but like they kind of lose a lot of leverage with him when he says you know I'm not re-signing here. So it's one of those things where you know you could kind of play hardball with them a little bit if you're like. You know, if they ask for, say, you know, I, I think the, the centerpiece of a package would have to be either Kevin Hayes or Pavel Buchnevich. Uh, You'd have to toss in at least one or two first round picks and then probably one of the RFAs and, and you know, maybe some other conditional picks or whatever. Um, but like to me, those are those are like no brainer type deals. Like like you're not sacrificing a Heedle or an Anderson or, or a, a Howden or a Hayek or any like your prospects. Basically, you're. You're shifting, you know, either in Kevin Hayes' t- uh, case, like a, a top six forward who's a shutdown center, but like also he's about to get paid a lot, a lot this summer. And he's, you know, with the amount of centers they have in their prospect pool, you know, kind of becomes expendable over the next couple of years if everyone takes some leaps. And as for Buchnevich, you know, I, I like Pavel Buchnevich and all, you know, he's 23. I, I'm excited to see how he looks with a new coach, but like he's, He's not Artemi Panarin, you know. Artemi Panarin is a elite player in this league. He's one of the guys you you get, you know. He's one of those guys like I, I don't care really what it would take. Like I would overpay for Artemi Panarin because he's a game changer. He's in a, like one of the best in the game. And if if you could get him without sacrificing a a large portion of the assets you you've required the last you know twelve eighteen months or so, you know that's a huge win to me. Especially because you know I, if you're trading for him, I, I think the assumption is that you have a a deal in place, an extension in place, ready to go. So it's not something where, you know, for like a, to use another sport, like a Paul George example, like where you're only getting him for one year and like, you're just rolling the dice, hoping that you can convince him to stay. I I don't think that the Rangers would make a trade or any team really would make a trade for him unless they knew uh, he was going to sign an extension. And then there's always the the chance he just goes and becomes a, a UFA anyway next summer, you know, the no one trades for him at the trade deadline. He doesn't get traded before the start of next season. He plays it out. You know, the, the Blue Jackets are probably going to be a playoff team again. Uh, if everything rolls, falls right for them, you know, they got a lot of talent. So, you know, they try to make the playoffs. They try to get, you know, make a run to convince him to stay and all, but maybe he still hits you uh, unrestricted free agency. And at that point, I think, you know, I've been saying this for a while. I would pay him whatever to get him in New York. Yeah, I mean, if uh, if you see Panarin as a top twenty player, then Brandon Saad has to be up there too for you, right? 
My God, what a trash deal that was. My God. I don't know what's going on in the NHL because I, I feel like every single trade is just completely lopsided from one end. You yeah. saw Mike Hoffman the other day get traded for Mikhail Bodker, and that was really it. That's all Ottawa got back. And Mike Hoffman is a, a pretty elite yeah. scorer at the very least. Like it just doesn't make sense the uh, the trade values in in hockey. Oh yeah, I mean I, I've I've like given up trying to make hypothetical trades, even though I was doing it all day yesterday. It's just like what what are we even doing here? Like you you, you see like a guy get traded for a freaking twelve like rolls of tape and like a a, a power bar or some shit like that. Like it's just it, it, the way NHL GMs value players like just does not make sense to me. Like. Especially, I, I don't know what the hell is going on north of the border because the Canadian GMs are just, they're in a pissing contest to see which one can make the worst deal. I mean, you got Pierre Dorian, who's just horrific for the Senators. You got Bergevin, who's like made three one-for-one -one trades the last like two, three years, and they've just all been losses for him. And, and then there's always the GOAT, Peter Torelli, who's just waiting in the grass right now, ready to make something stupid. He's been seeing what his other Canadian GMs are doing. He just can't wait to make some dumbass deal on Friday night. So that actually segues perfect into what uh, I want to talk about. Number one is I don't know if you guys cucked me and and Matt on this or if I'm the I'm the weird guy, the weird husband that likes seeing his wife get fucked and likes getting <laughs> cucked. But the <laughs> Boquist, no matter what, movement it's a real thing it's honestly something that like i might have to get tattooed because i feel it to like a spiritual level that if adam boquist is available at nine you take him yeah i i absolutely agree like i i i'm admittedly not like a prospect guy like there's a lot of people out there that do great work and and i, I don't know how the hell they watch all those games all the you know at the weird ass times that they're on but uh from like the little i've seen i, I love boquist like i just I, I think he's like the type of player the Rangers haven't really had in like my lifetime of being a, a fan, like a like a defenseman with just game changing speed and skill. Like I, I I just would take him no matter like you said, Boquist no matter what. Like you you started that one, man. That was great. But like he's the thing with the Rangers at nine is like they're gonna get a good player, especially if like the reports of what's going on are true, like the Canadians are going to take that center and Brady Kachuk might go a little higher than expected. And, you know, maybe someone trades out, maybe someone takes this Hayden kid or whatever that people are talking about. So it's like, there's going to be good players available at nine. That's why I've been such a big proponent of not wanting to trade up. Like I, I don't want to give up the assets to trade up when you could just get a really good player at nine. Now, one of the, uh, Bob Stauffer, um, tweeted out on, I think it was Monday, a projected top nine for the draft. And it has, you know, obviously Dolan one, Svednikov going two, Kotkanemi, however the fuck you say his name, three, <laughs> uh, Dobson, Kachuk, Hughes, Bouchard, Wallstrom, eight to Chicago, and then Zadina to the Rangers. If this is true in any way, shape, or form, and the Rangers can get Zadina at nine, and then... Um, Boquist at 10, I will legitimately pack Matt Zuccarello's bags right fucking now. I will drive him cross country to Edmonton and drop him off personally because that is how you get out of a quote-unquote rebuild with a 
dynamic winger and a dynamic defenseman. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I love uh, I love Zadina. He's another like again. I, I I'm not a huge prospect guy, but um, you know, I was watching a lot of the World Juniors because Hedl and Anderson were playing, and and obviously Zadina was on the the Czech team with Hedl, and I just love everything from his game, and I, I think he's a great player. I, I I'm kind of shocked that he's falling like on people's boards. I don't know if it's just because you know kind of people are overthinking it or they like are drafting for center need, which is kind of wild to me. Um. But yeah, if if they were to somehow get ten from the Oilers, and then you know they get either like Bachwist or or Zadina or Wallstrom or like Noah Dobson's another guy, like I, I just don't know how you can't. That's a win. That's like a huge win right there. You're getting you know a couple of players that'll like you kind of said expediate your rebuild and and just take another step. And if anything, you know like kind of tying it back to the Panarin stuff it kind of makes some other players on the roster expendable. And, and, you know, if you somehow get two top 10 picks, maybe you're more inclined to pack it's 26 and 28 for another roster player. Uh, or, you know, you'll, you'll, you maybe want to trade a winger or maybe Puchnevich becomes expendable or, you know, someone has interest in one of the defensemen on the Rangers and you decide you can move them. You know, it just, the best thing about what the Rangers have right now is they just have options at every available turn because it's not, you know what Jeff Gordon did at the trade deadline? He just he just stockpiled on picks, prospects. He cleared out some cap space. You know they they have a, a ton of space coming up the next couple of years, even with the RFAs they have. And and this isn't even mentioning that they have Nemestikov and Spooner still, who are also going to garner some interest. So you know they're just in a great spot right now. And and I think Jeff Gordon kind of holds the keys to a lot of this draft. I I, I think they're going to be incredibly active during the draft. I, like I. I would set like the over under at like two and a half trades. And, and I would honestly be inclined to take the over. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I absolutely. Think what you said, uh, you know, not, not the Rangers not trading. I think a lot of fans are so gung ho about moving up and, you know, possibly getting show if you can. And I think you're absolutely right. Like there's so much talent here for them. And then, like you said, the, the pieces, is the, in the first round, the Rangers have, have, like you said, the assets. You know that's room for them to move well, package that for another player like a Panarin or Johnson. You know, at ten, I'm looking at getting Boquist at ten. If that was, you're looking at maybe Zadina at nine or besides Dolan, both opt defenseman in this draft, Dina, forward position. And then Panarin, I mean, or a Kovalchuk, Antavaris. I mean, you're talking about a couple pieces here that have to move up from nine at that point. So, like you said, I, I definitely agree, and I think that's a definitely a possibility. I think it all starts with first-round picks rather than nine itself that are, are just as important, if not more. So... Yeah, no, I, I it just like it's it's just like it. it I, I don't remember a draft in my lifetime where the Rangers like have been so interesting to me. You know what I mean? Like, like we're, we're so used to them not really having first round picks or if they do, they kind of trade them away. You know, they were competing for, you know, like a five year window. So like I was all for trading picks to try to get better and try to win a cup. But like this is the first time I think that, you know, pretty much since the lockout, the 05 lockout that they've like really are rebuilding with like just tons of draft picks and like, especially in the first round, like it just gives you so many options. And, and I remember Jeff Gordon saying 
after the trade deadline when he did like an interview with MSG. He's like, well, we found out last year when you have two first round picks, like your phones are ringing a lot more. So people clearly like they have they have big like GMs around the league. They value first round picks very highly. So it's something that, you know, they it just helps you be in into it more like you have more options. You just have more juice. You have more ability to do stuff like it's just a great position to be in. And I'm 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 really excited to see what they do Friday night. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Now, you mentioned the RFAs and no free ads, but on the Garden Faithful podcast, the one that you and, and Woj host, great podcast, subscribe, but again, no free ads. Um, you said that you would keep Spooner over Nemestikov, and I have a bone to pick. Now, I know you're not here to argue because you uh, adopted the Trill Withers <laughs> mentality. Yeah, of course. I, I just hate the drama. I'm like Andy Bernard from The Office. I just hate, hate, hate the drama. But what I will say is if Gorton and the Rangers keep either one of these players, I think that tells you the direction that they're going. And with Nemestikov, you're buying into a guy that you're hoping that his talent level reaches where you projected to more of a rebuild situation. Whereas if you keep Spooner, you know exactly what you're getting out of them. And I think that that's saying more, we're going to try to expedite this process and get back to a competitive team as soon as possible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely, I definitely understand that. And, and, you know, personally, I don't think either of them are going to be around next year. Um, like, I, I think they're probably both going to be gone. Um, I, I know Larry Brooks said a while ago that, like, Spooner is just simply, like, not in their future plans at all. I think he was a guy that they just kind of took a flyer on because they took Matt Bolesky's contract back. But, um, you know, I, I, I get the Nemestikov stuff. Like, he's got tantalizing talent. And then, you know, some of my favorite, like, I'm not a huge stats guy, but, like, the, the micro stats, like zone entries and zone exits are stuff that I really – personally like because i think they're very tangible in terms of like looking at the game um and i know he has really good numbers there uh it's just like i'm i just like would rather like you you kind of just mentioned like it kind of signals which way they're going like if, if they sign domestikov to like four or five years I, like they view him as part of the future um and i just personally don't don't see it like i, I think two of the they're like expendable to me um especially with the amount of centers they have on the roster and i, I don't think either of them are like suited to play wing long term, I guess. But um, you know, it's it's just like I just think they're both two good assets to have right now. I think Nemestikov, uh, I I can't remember who it was over the Athletic a couple weeks ago was saying that like he's gonna he's one of the more interesting players because he's got like a hefty qualifying offer. But like, there's some teams that really like his skill. There's other ones that are really turned off by the fact that he only produced when he was really playing with you know two of the best players in the world and Steven Samkos and Nikita Kucherov. So. Personally, yeah, I, to me, I, I just like Spooner's game. I, I was probably recency biased because he just, you know, Nemeskov only had like four points in 19 games. And Spooner was like a point-per-game player in the 20 games he played. Uh, so that's probably one of the reasons I said it, uh, and I believed it. I still believe it, honestly. But um, I, I personally don't think either of them are here to start next season. And um, <clears throat> so, obviously, there's there's way too much to talk about when it comes to the draft. There's too many uh, – selections there's too many prospects there's too many trades that could happen that obviously if you're not a full-on you know insider or anything like that and not those fake hockey twitter insiders <laughs> john tavares Sources. is signing for a 40-year 175 million dollar contract um he's the guy they want though <laughs> if you're not an actual insider you have no idea what direction any team is going but 
right after the draft opens the RFA re-signing phase for hockey. And something that I think the first thing I ever, or one of the first points that I've seen from you was the idea of offer sheets. And with basketball, now I know that you can't really talk about two sports because you can't be. Can only like one. Can only like those. Those are the rules I've been told. (laughs) Um, Do you think that that has a possibility to happen this year? And do you think that like the Rangers can do something like that? I think they 100% could, uh, but but like. Just, I don't think we're going to see an offseason for another couple of years. I, I just think like the NHL GMs are just so terrified of like if they fuck over another GM that like they're not going to be able to deal with another G like that said GM in the future. And like these these guys are just like they're all part of the old boys club, you know. Like, outside of like John Chaka in Arizona, these are all former players, former scouts, sons of former coaches, GMs. Like it's basically a retirement home community. This place, so it's <laughs> like they don't want to piss each other off in terms of offer sheeting. But like, I, I think once you see one within the next, like maybe, maybe before the, uh, the next lockout that's supposed to happen in a couple of years, like if you see one before that, I think the floodgates are going to kind of open because it's really just a tool. Like, like I, I love it because it's like, in, you mentioned the NBA, like it teams use the offer sheet to screw other teams over. Like, it's like, you, all right. Like for example, last year, Peter Torelli came out and said, like, when Leon Dreisaitl was an RFA, you know, he said, we're going to match whatever. If anybody offers sheets him, we're going to match no matter what. So if, like, if I'm a team in their division, like, if I'm, I think the Coyotes are in the same division as them, uh, why wouldn't I just toss a max offer sheet at him if they say they're going to max, max no matter what? Like, you know uh, that they're entering, like, cap troubles. Like, you're just literally screwing them over and making them a worse team moving forward. Like, isn't that a competitive advantage for you? I it's something that I wish they would do more. So it's like, it, it really bothers me that, that we haven't seen one in a long time. And I, I think that like, there's so many interesting pieces this summer, more so than any other summer when it comes to RFAs, like you have uh Nylander, you have Truba, you have Carlson on, on Vegas. You have like so many names that, I mean, go after these guys quite honestly like it's not where you know if you lock someone up <clears throat> they uh assume a, a position of you're giving up a rebuild because you have to give up a draft pick when you sign someone to an offer sheet or anything like that that's not what it's like so um you know i just personally i think that it's something that should be used because if the rangers decide hey let's give up a first to go get um, if the uh, Rangers want to give up a first to go get Truba or whatever, why not? It's good to get him via trade, so why not? Yeah, no, I agree. It's just it's a tool that I feel like isn't utilized enough. It's something that that is just like I said, it's something that can be used to as a competitive advantage tool, and it's like for whatever reason, whether it's you know they don't want to damage relationships with their uh, their other GMs or they don't want to piss players off or whatever like it's just not utilized and it's it's a shame because it, it is a tool that that could really help teams out yeah um absolutely and do you think in the ufa pool that there's anyone that maybe now uh you know 
intrigues you at least? I know last time you said that you want nothing to do with John Carlson. Um, but what about, you know, a guy like a Thomas Vanek or, or what about a guy that can help, help, you know, the third line or the fourth line? Is, is there anyone in that part of the pool that you want the Rangers to look at? Um, I mean, there's always guys you could have for, for like one year cheap deals. Um, uh, I, I very much stand by my John Carlson, uh, because that guy's about to get, get a bag. I mean, it's going to be outrageous the amount of money he gets this summer, whether it's from the capitals or for the, uh, or for the, or from like Vegas or whatever, like there's going to be, or the devils I saw as another team. Um, you know, a, a guy who, who I kind of am interested in is like, a. Like, I, I don't know if I would want him. It's just like, depending on what, how long his contract will be, it's like the Kevin Shattenkirk situation, kind of James Van Riemsdyk. Because um, yeah. he's, a, he's a local guy. He's from Jersey, I'm pretty sure. He grew up a Ranger fan. Uh, he's definitely not going back to Toronto because they, they just simply can't afford to keep him anymore. Um, you know, I think he's a really good player. He, he's a little, I didn't realize he's like 30 years old, so that kind of doesn't really fit with their timeline, I guess. But you know, if he's willing to take like a two or three year deal, um, I'd be all for assigning him just because it's like he's a guy who helps push down other players on the roster. You don't have to rush anyone up if you draft them. Uh, and in terms of like other players, there's always there's like a Vanek or like a I don't know, like a Mark Latestu. Like I'm just looking at some of the names right now, like Leo Komarov, Jay Beagle. I mean, there's always going to be those guys like those depth players that you can find for like one year deals. Um, so it's like. I, I, I just don't want any long-term contracts handed out in, in uh, unrestricted free agencies. And this is like a good year, honestly, to kind of stay away. It's a pretty weak free agent class outside of uh, like the big three of Tavares, uh, Carlson, and Kovalchuk. It's more of like the trade market is the big thing this year. And then I think a lot of teams are going to be gearing up for next summer because next summer's free agent class is just stacked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you got anything? No, I think, you know hit it all honestly yeah um so honestly first obviously we're going to thank you for coming on again and uh on top of that i mean the draft is on friday and once that window opens it's just there's a million possibilities i mean jeff gordon's playing everything to the chest honestly i i've got this thought in my head that i wanted to share it's jeff gordon is literally thanos <laughs> he literally does not give a fuck about any emotional attachment you have to anyone or anything like that. that. His true. goal is to fingers to achieve one or how he, he has to do it of who he has to delete from like that. He, he wants to goal and honestly Good that's GM. yeah, that's exactly what you want. <laughs> No, it's a great comparison, man. I, I I love that. He's he's an interesting guy, Jeff Gordon, and I'm I'm I don't think he gets enough credit for kind of building the Bruins team that won the cup. So like I'm I'm I, I believe in Jeff Gordon. I know a lot of people are kind of skeptical, uh, but I believe in the guy. I think he's done a great job so far. I mean, everyone knows that he doesn't draft well because yeah. uh, he only drafted in sixteen and seventeen, and those guys haven't panned out yet. You know, yeah. so. Clearly, he doesn't draft well. And Fitz, can you do me a favor? Can you continue to put up the Pavel Buchnevich, um polls on Twitter? Because- <laughs> uh, absolutely. I know I know those really get people riled up. Uh, yeah. uh, the 28% of people who said yesterday they wouldn't include Pavel Buchnevich in a trade for, for Artemi Panarin. I, we got we to gotta have a talk. Absolutely. I'll be 
because I just sometimes I want to oh I wouldn't include them just like what, what they end what it ends up being just to you know take the opposition side of like an idiot. <laughs> oh, uh, it's it's a wild it's proud. wild. There's their stands, man. The the boot stands are they're uh, they're a wild bunch, man. They really are. Um, and actually, one last question. I know a lot of defensive players are talked about when it comes to the Rangers acquiring, um, you know, the big names. But if you're going to acquire a big name, someone has to go out. So who do you see as someone going out? Honestly, I think Shea and Pionk are the only guy. Well, and Stahl, because I don't think his contract is all that movable. But I think those are really the only guys that shouldn't be moved. And then, like, I feel like not enough people are talking about Anthony D'Angelo actually getting treated. Yeah, I, I, I actually kind of agree with that. I think Shea and Pionk and, and Stahl, just because he has to be, are, like, really the only, um, like, building blocks right now on that defense, especially from the guys who played towards the end of last year. Uh, Shattenkirk's interesting. Uh, I think this is like kind of a big year for him. If he comes back and proves like he really plays well, maybe it's uh, you look at maybe trading him at the deadline or next summer. Cause it, you know, he, he signed a short term deal. And so like eating salary for that won't be too bad. Uh, so like, he's a guy, if he doesn't really take a leap or if, you know, maybe his injury kind of hangs around, I, I think they might cut bait sooner rather than later with him, especially cause I, I don't think he signed up for a rebuild. Yeah. I agree. All right. Uh, Fitz, thanks for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, brother. No, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Yep. Yeah.